1: And register for the inaugural Every
0: Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com.
1: A few months ago, a stingray got pregnant. Except there were no male stingrays in the tank, which raised a question. Who's the daddy? Who's the daddy? Who's the daddy? But scientists think... There
0: is no daddy. And it's not just this stingray. All kinds of animals are getting pregnant all on their own. This week on Unexplainable. What exactly is going on here?
1: Follow Unexplainable for new episodes every Wednesday.
0: Hey, welcome to the Longform Podcast. I am Max Linsky and I'm here with Aaron Lammer and Evan Ratliff, my co-hosts. It's good to be back this
1: week. Eating healthy. That's what we're doing. Eating yeah. snap peas, drinking we scotch. just ate a lot of snap peas. There's probably a number of snap peas you can eat that's not healthy, and we have exceeded that. Who's on the podcast this week, Max?
0: <laughs> this week we have um, healthy eater and internet heroine, Anne Friedman. You might know from Good. She's the former editor of Good. She, along with the entire editorial staff of Good, was fired. Uh, and then they started Tomorrow, and now she is freelancing, and she is everywhere on the internet.
1: Byline line is everywhere. New Yorker.
0: New York magazine, New York magazine, CJR, giving talks. Okay, lots, lots of names of magazines here. Lots (laughs) of names. We got a couple sponsors this week. Uh, Who's our first sponsor, Max? Uh, I believe our first sponsor is our constant sponsor, the good folks at Tiny Letter. Thank you, Mailchimp. Uh, but we got a new first-time sponsor this week, uh, Matter Magazine. Is it Magazine, mag- Matter? Yeah I, think yeah, I think they're a publisher. Magazine. Publisher. Our, our, publisher, um, publisher of original singles, uh, available on the Kindle store, available on their website. Uh, they got a new one out right now. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's called The Ghost in the Cell. It just went up, and uh, it costs 99 cents, or you can subscribe. It's at readmatter.com. It's good stuff. They do high-quality work. It's true. Evan and Ann. No, Max, nope, Ann. Max Ann. <laughs> Hey, Ann Friedman. Hi, Max. Welcome to New York and 68 J Street. And uh, thank you so much for taking so much time <laughs> to do this with me. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, I would take this time and more and more.
0: This is fun. This is the first time I've interviewed um, like a buddy. You're my first buddy on the podcast.
1: All right, we'll get through this together. <laughs> yeah, somehow. Somehow we will hold
0: hands and get there. I have been asking you to do this for um, for like a long time.
1: No, you've actually only asked me to do this once.
0: But I asked you like right after we started. It was like a standing invitation. But I don't come
1: to town that often.
0: I know. So now you're here. Now okay. we're doing okay. it. I will, I will say, though, that when I asked you whenever that was like August or something, and I was like, we're starting this thing and whenever we can do it, we should do it. I was assuming at that time that by whenever it was that we actually sat down to talk, like you would be off running some new gigantic, exciting magazine. You
1: weren't. I mean, I think it's it's a little bit um, it's a little bit of an understatement to say you were assuming you were you were haranguing for that. (laughs) It's true.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I was. Yes, I was um, haranguing for that outcome, but I also just assumed it would be. I was haranguing because it was such an obvious assumption for me, Um, and I was wrong. I I was wrong. So for anyone, uh, for the people who are listening, let's just, we'll quickly, we'll get into all of this stuff. But um, you edited features at the American Prospect. You were the executive editor of Good Magazine. You uh, left Good. I was fired. You were fired by Good, which we're going to talk about. And then you and all of you. Don't be afraid to say it i am not a, I just. I can't be the one to say it. You say it first. You can't we,
1: be the one to say it. The facts are. I was fired. Okay,
0: you got fucking fired. Thank you. In a Thank brutal you. bloodletting. Yes. Shocking turn of events. You, um, tell that story. We're gonna. We, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into it. And then you went, and uh, you and your colleagues from Good started Tomorrow Magazine. You also have a website called Lady Journos where you curate all this great long-form writing by women. Um, but now. You are you are you are a freelance writer on the internet. You're kind of a columnist. I am you be, a,
1: I'm you, a CEO of a of a media corporation of one.
0: <laughs> so, because seeing as how this is the long form podcast, and you have done all of these long formish things, um, where does where does that kind of work fit into your like the constellation of your life these days?
1: Where does long form fit into the constellation yeah, of my life? Yeah. Um,
0: because I can't talk to you about the new exciting magazine that you're editing that's producing a bunch of features. So. Uh, which was my assumption
1: right I would say that long-form journalism is sort of a career plateau or like producing like being a producer of it is a career plateau that I reached first as an editor um and am still trying to reach as a writer I my first long-form feature will be published in a couple of weeks huzzah huzzah so you know it's all happening it's all happening I would say that um I at at an earlier point in my career, like maybe when I was, you know, just leaving college, and, and if you would have stuck this microphone in my face and said, what do you want to be doing, um, I would have said something like writing long-form magazine features. Um, but, uh, you know, and, 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 and that kind of meant I had to deal with the internet in the short term, like as a path to that, but I wasn't really um, – I, I just sort of accepted that fact. I wasn't like excited about also producing things for the internet. And right. now I would say that it is, while it's totally realist real to say that I'm thrilled to be doing long form journalism as a writer and reporter. Um, I love doing the short stuff that I do too.
0: Yeah. So, so at this point it's just like uh it's kind of like a side pot to what you're doing. I mean, you've got this yeah. column for CJR and you're writing a column for New York magazine and you're, writing doing pie charts for i'm using the whole buffalo these days you (laughs) You really are yeah Uh like even the head cheese
1: yes yes yeah, you... the head cheese is those pie charts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But you're you're like uh you are pie charting for multiple publications at this. point. I am.
1: So, yeah, should, that's like a,
0: that's some kind of record. You should be proud of that.
1: La- last night I was at this mentoring event and and a, and a woman um was like I'm an aspiring data journalist and blah 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 your pie charts and I was like man like that is not my pie chart that is not data journalism that is sort of like a personal essay in a format that's like less thought catalog-y embarrassing. Like that's what pie, the pie chart they're like a visual personal essay in like the guise of a pie chart but she
0: was coming she was coming with that uh that seriousness
1: she kind of asked it in a serious way and i was like don't let's not inflate what i do here
0: so well maybe that's a place that we can we could start as part of what i'm what i'm interested in talking about so you're here in new york and you're being invited to go mentor young journos
1: yeah presumably i mean mentoring is probably like the wrong word for it but answer their questions about right. this this field
0: and you're you're doing a lot of that. You're doing a lot of advice giving and, uh, answering. And, um, I think you're like, uh, you sort of established this role for yourself on the web where you're trying to like, you're giving people advice. You're like helping people figure out, navigate this kind of weird moment that we're in with journalism. Um, how old are you?
1: I'm 31.
0: How did you get, how, how, how did you get to a point where like, uh, Everyone wanted to hear your advice
1: I don't know. I think that people are very excited um to hear to hear advice that just it just sounds like someone knows what they're talking i mean it not even it doesn't even matter if like if like the things I say have sort of been proven or if they only work for me um there's not there are not a lot of people who are just like totally optimistic and excited about what's happening in journalism right now. Yeah. And so the combination of being being legitimately excited to be doing this work right now and um and also my my unique ability to fake it till you make it and just <laughs> and just deliver advice about all kinds of things that um that you know may or may not be proven to work uh is is probably why. I don't know. I mean, I um I think I was saying to you earlier that the fact that I am just now closing on my first feature as a reporter and writer, when I've been telling or, or helping other journalists, specifically younger journalists, muddle through the reporting and writing process on their first feature for, for years, um, makes me I I when I realized that I was just like wow I've been kind of a fraud all this time. <laughs> like now now I'm actually and no one would believe I mean I've been telling that anecdote to people and they just like they don't they're like really no you write you write, you've written a bunch of features like yeah. they've invented this like
0: Yeah well when I went back and like uh started doing research before this I was kind of like oh man I'm uh, really struggling to find all these features that Ann's written over right, the years because I was editing them yeah <laughs> Yeah but um whether it's being a freelancer or 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 reporting and writing that longer story that you just did how does being this like public figure talking about the state of journalism while you're also trying to practice it all the time how do those two things intertwine
1: it's good I mean it's um I um I definitely followed the advice I've been giving other people in order to to produce this feature and um and i I was definitely it was it was obviously it was like hard like you know're we're, we're <laughs> doing a whole bunch of reporting and you know in and trying to distill that into something that makes sense that's only three thousand words, which is not that many words right. is actually really really um you know a, a daunting a daunting proposition, and it wasn't that hard it was like i I knew how to break it up because mm-hmm. they were break up that work and um and it didn't i expected to have like these like tortured nights of just like You know, I don't even know where to start blinking cursor on a blank page, whatever, you know, and I none of that happened. I mean, it was like it was hard and I had a lot of like procrastination periods. But was
0: there (laughs) was there um, I mean, we can't really talk about the story because it's not going to come out for a little while. But was was there a reason this was the one you jumped on to do?
1: No, I think that, you know, I have when, when you when you're a freelance writer you have a lot of conversations with editors. <laughs> Let's just have a conversation. Um, which I think is better it's it's nice having been an, an editor for a long time, it means you know lots of other editors and um and they've gotten to know you um in a way where you've never you were never asking for things from them. You were a colleague. And so when you become a freelancer after being an editor for a long time, you just kinda have the same you know, you, you talk to them like you wanted to be talked to when you were an editor, you right, know what right, I mean? Right. And, and, you know, you kind of get on the phone and you're like, I have a like a long list of things I'm interested in that are pretty broad, and I just start talking about what I'm interested in, and then I can like hear when when they sort of perk up about something, and then I'm like, oh, and here's a way I could do that for you. And sometimes it results in an assignment that's short, sometimes it results in an assignment that's long. That's where this piece came from.
0: Talk about that a little bit more. Like how, how is your... Years as an editor, taking pitches all the time, working with freelancers all the time. How has that made you a better freelancer?
1: Oh my god, it's I don't know how anyone does this without without <laughs> that experience. Um, you know, I don't send cold pitches for one. Yeah, um, I I'm, that's
0: helpful when you know a lot of people. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's what I'm saying though. But I know a lot of people because of the years I spent as an editor, which right. is like you know, like a it, it feels kind of like a side benefit.
0: You know, a lot of people because of the years you spent as an editor, but also because you seem particularly conscious about like uh the value of knowing people like you've written oh, yeah. about like what horizontal loyalty is at the phrase it's not
1: my term that is well yeah the idea i mean you know like like the notion of kissing kissing up is is super weird to me it's like you should always be like kissing down and sideways like you know <laughs> like the people who are going to be um who are going to be working sort of alongside you, and and um, and who are coming up behind you? I'm 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 really aware of um, my impending irrelevance, uh, you know, or like the idea that if you make your name as someone who is excited about the future, as soon as you start getting a little bit older, it's like you know, it's it seems like you need to work work harder to have that um, to have that brand come across. Yeah. <laughs> so um so yeah. You
0: um, got to align yourself with the future future prognosticators? Absolutely.
1: I, every time I get on and I, I really do like answer every email like a, you know, a baby journo sends me and get on the phone with them and whatever but um, and do mentoring things like the, the thing last night because I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm waiting for that day when, when I'm like you know actually in, in dire need of work I'm like you know 65 years old because no one's retiring obviously no one's <laughs> retiring and, um, and I'm just like I don't understand how to write like you know like, like on Google Glass or whatever we're going to be yeah. like composing on and I've become like like one of those one of those people. I want there to be some like journalist who is now a features editor somewhere or, or like whatever that title looks like who remembers when I got on the phone with her in two thousand thirteen and helped her negotiate for her first salary and um and like throws me a fucking bone. Like like I think about that moment a lot and like that's that's how I like prepare for old age. That and I do the crossword.
0: Yeah, I think I, Nimble. yeah the 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 crossword seems like a key to life. That's like uh, I. This crossword might be single-handedly keeping my mother sane at this yeah. point. Um, okay, so you don't send cold pitches. What What else did you sort of learn from your years as an editor? Really about?
1: fast at structuring things. Uh huh. Like I when I when I go back and forth with my um, the editors of my weekly column, you know, and we agree on this is the thesis for this week, or I'm gonna you know make these two phone calls, and this is the the thing. Um, it, it's it's just really fast to be like, you know, I my editors know they're never going to get a piece from me that is lacking a nut graph right. Like they right. just know, you like know you're
0: gonna you're gonna you're gonna check off the boxes
1: right. and i'm I'm probably gonna send it with like a like a draft headline that like maybe they don't like it and use it, but like it will and ha- which, if you've ever edited, um, for the web and are trying to turn things around quickly like s- they're staring at that blank headline box in the CMS is just like super daunting so it's like you know like all these little things that um, you know and I also am very aware that they're corresponding with 10 of me at any given time right and um, and I'm very um you know, it's not like I'm always great about meeting deadlines. I, I blow deadlines sometimes, but I always check in. Like I remember how annoying it was to be like to not have an ETA. So yeah, the I always the check is. in when I'm going to be late, which buys you a ton of goodwill, Totally. rather than just going off the grid, which, which is what a lot of writers do when they panic. Um, and, uh, and then and then, you know, just little things about how like I remember how when I was an editor, I would I would you know read lots of internet, obviously. Of Of all lengths, yeah <laughs> and um, and I would I would note that when there was a piece that I liked. I'd be like, "Oh man, that person is great! I should totally get them to write something for me, and I wouldn't have the right idea at that moment, and I would maybe like write their name down on some sticky note or something right you know? and and then it would just be gone, and or I might exchange an email with them that was like pitch me sometime, but they didn't have a pitch at that moment, and it would be gone, and so um you know I, it nothing pleases me more these days when someone is like, you're everywhere, I see your name, and all these, all all over. Or, like, I just started doing this weekly email newsletter. And, uh, and 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 one of the big motivations behind that is that it will keep my name showing up in editors' inboxes once a week, and they'll just be like, hey, Ann Friedman exists. Right. You know, which, like, even when you follow someone on Twitter and whatever isn't necessarily something, you know. Anyway, so so those it's are also, the ways. It's also,
0: like, the, the people who are most um, eagerly i uh, most eager to sort of like keep up with Anne Friedman, right? Right. It's a to like talk to your biggest fans.
1: Yeah, I, I, have, I have no illusions that like, you know, there's some kind of like massive real people who are like, you know <laughs> what I mean? This is like, this is like for like my friends who don't use Twitter and like my mom and editors. Yeah. Um. And so, so yeah, so I think that there's a lot of things that I do that I would just um have no idea how to do them. I also just try to be really pleasant and fun. Like I treat my editors like pals, like they're my coworkers. Yeah. And that's important. Like yeah. I'm, I'm drinking with them later. You know that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, drinking, uh, drinking with your editors has, like, come up as a pretty consistent theme in these conversations.
1: Your editor is like, you're, you're, if you are a freelance writer, your editor is your lifeblood. Like, your editor makes sure that you get paid. They're, they're, you're, they're your, like, woman on the inside who's going to advocate for you if, you're not, if your check isn't coming. That's Everyone is always talking about, like, how it's hard to harass people to pay you as a freelance writer. You know, you got to keep asking and asking. Yeah. It's like, if your editor loves you, you ask once of your editor, and they do the harassing on the inside. It's, like, not that hard. <laughs> right. um, but you just, you know, and it's a lot more fun to make your editor love you than it is to send cold harassing emails to the billing department.
0: Um so aside from the like uh budget meetings and uh sort of horrible nonsense of good, um let's talk about the good part of good for oh, a man, second. Oh man, there's so
1: many good parts of good.
0: What were the good parts of good? Tell me about tell me about what you do miss about that magazine.
1: Well, I mean, number one thing, this is where you're gonna be like, this is an Oscar acceptance speech. <laughs> I really, I really I, I love the group of people that we made that magazine with every day and every quarter. It was just a great. I mean, I feel like everyone worked really hard and had like had like this shared sensibility, and it's just it's just really fun to work in a journal, in a, like a media environment where you're not fighting about dumb things like is Twitter important right. or like or like or like do we care about storytelling and reporting? Like we we were a group of people that sort of had what I believe to be the best of like old media values as well as like a real appetite for all things new. And we're really limited only by like, you know, time and time and resources to like, yeah. execute. It wasn't like we had, we had like, you know, hangups or internal squabbles about like, what would be cool stuff to do.
0: Take me through that first day when you like you'd taken this job, you're the executive editor of good. What was it like when you walked in for that first day?
1: Well, it's interesting because I didn't I didn't really have like a like a like an editorial team assembled. It was like a kind of it was some some people who had worked there before and a couple people that I did know and um but but most of the people that I ended up working with for most of my time there I hired so um a lot of it was was more about like my bosses and the wider the wider sort of organization and company. I was very aware of how old I was. I was mm-hmm. very aware that um, of all of the management team at good it was like 10 men and me right um and you know anytime you're the only anything it's it's you're very aware of that um I I don't know I mean I think that um I thought I thought a lot about just just being decisive you know um there's a lot of a lot of managers, like women especially, won't just say yes or no to things. Like we'll be like, well, we'll see about that. Send me an email and I'll think about it. It's like if and you know, and I I tried very consciously to be like, if if someone is is asking me about something and I know that that's not something I'm going to want to do, to just be like, nope. <laughs> Which um, which also you know reads really like if you're especially if like you're a woman and like you know and you're like a big woman, I'm bigger than everyone you know like it's it you know just sort of saying no. Yeah, for and for
0: people who don't know, you're you're uh, you're a tall person.
1: I'm six feet two inches tall, and I usually wear some kind of heel, um, which leads to many many people being like, "You look shorter on the internet." <laughs> it happens all the time. It happens all the time.
0: So you're um, one woman on an executive team with 10 guys, you're bringing in your people, um, what were the, what were the challenges? Like, what, what, what was hard about that job?
1: Um, well, it was already an established, like, brand and publication there, um, but, but, you know, there was no internal, like, There was no fact-checking process. Like no one had ever fact-checked the magazine, so I had to be like, "This is how you fact-check, and this is what our standard is going to be." There was maybe there was a style guide, although it wasn't really being used. I had to be like, "Are we going to use AP style?" Like a lot of things that just seem like um, that are that are you know journo administrative, you know, not like administrative administrative, but like that sort of thing.
0: Like just sort of established writers contracts.
1: There was a whole thing about like trying to, to to wrangle like. The, the business side and, like, the, the, the lawyers um, and get them to 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 write me a better writer's contract. Um, so it was stuff like that that was, like, very and, – and plus, like, figuring out how to hire that team. Those were kind of, like, early-stage concerns. Did um, you
0: have mentors yourself who were helping you with that? Who were you going to for, like, advice?
1: Um, when, right after I took the job, I called Anna Holmes, um, who was, you know – other, despite, despite like, you know, working for, um, working for the internet, like a different <laughs> thing, definitely had a lot of great things to say about assembling a team and setting an editorial tone. And, um, and I just think that she did such great work in those like early, you know, days at Jezebel. Um, and, and it's funny too, cause it's now, I don't know if someone called me and asked me all the things that I asked her somewhere. I have a notebook full of the things that she told me in that conversation. Um, so I asked her about it because I felt that I, I needed to talk to someone who was in more of like a startup-y kind of environment than yeah. than in? I mean, I know I'm friendly with some um, executive editors of of older like media brands, and it just it didn't feel like their. I mean, there were aspects of their experience that I feel like applied, but it it seems it seems silly to ask them for advice about a lot of others.
0: Okay, so you started like uh, nailing your administrative like tasks and I wouldn't get, say
1: nailing I just I was, I was muddling through I was <laughs> muddling, muddling okay. through You're yeah
0: muddling through your administrative <laughs> challenges you get your like Folks in place, you convince a bunch of people to move from D.C. to Los Angeles, which is not a very hard thing to do. I would False. Assume.
1: It's very hard to get journalists to move away from New York or D.C. Really? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I, a-
0: as someone who lived in D.C. and was very excited to move, I well, it's but it's a big, imagine. it's
1: a big risk. It's a huge risk to be like I'm going to move to a city with no national, other national media to speak of, mm-hmm. and it requires a big leap of trust because basically, if everything goes to hell, there is no other job for you, like right. locally, right? So it almost and, and and also... But um, I mean,
0: the chances of everything going to hell, I mean...
1: Just like, psh, yeah, what what are the odds? What are the odds? Um And I, I knew some other journalists who had moved to LA for jobs, like left New York and were not happy. And I think that that attitude is contagious. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to work with people who were really happy to live in LA. And so it was like adding that layer of not just like, eh, I'd consider it. I mean, people on the East Coast don't know how great LA is. So it was like... Anyone who came to interview was like, holy shit, when can I move here? But <laughs> right, like, part of the, but like a
0: key part of the interview is actually just getting people tacos, to Los Angeles. the tacos portion.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was actually quite difficult, especially cause that rules out people with kids and like partners, right. like who have got grown used to this idea that they can work in media forever and will never have to move because it's true. This is, it's all out here.
0: So you convinced your young childless journos to come out and mm-hmm. work with you, you'd muddled through your administrative tasks you guys started putting out this magazine and you did some really like fantastic
1: work. I think so too. Thanks.
0: Which, which are the stories, uh, that really like stand out to you? Which like, what are the pieces that you guys did while you were there that you're particularly proud of?
1: Um, I really love, uh, you know, let me think. So, um, Nona did this piece about, about 20 somethings, um, who are sort of, I, some of them are like union affiliated but basically the idea of like the minimum wage earning class that thinks they're not going to be a minimum wage earning class forever um where you know the the people who are sort of biding their time in the service industry until they can get a real job and what how sort of um how sort of i don't know it was it, i liked it because it was like it was it, it felt like a real version of a f- stupid trend story mm-hmm. that like we could do at length and um and it also felt really like like tonally good was the right place for that story right um, which has become a whole focus of like Nona's work. She's working on a book about it now and right on. um yeah. And it's just like super cool. Um you know, I obviously loved that James Dean profile that Amanda did. Um and, the first
0: of the like many James Dean yeah, profiles that
1: obviously liked. like way first, and you know what? There's a lesson for you in like why women editors matter. <laughs> that story came about because women who watch porn knew knew of James Dean forever. Like you know, like dudes who straight dudes who watch porn or like James who or like maybe had heard of him, but like didn't know it was like a thing. Right, and you know, and that idea would not have come from a, a straight male editor. I'm pretty convinced. And then of course once you know. Once we broke the seal, it was just like, you know.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it's a pretty good story. It's a great story. And she killed it. She crushed it. All right. So, you guys are doing these great stories that these big magazines are going to start stealing in a couple months. And, uh, known as figuring out how to write about 20 somethings like no one else is writing about. Yep. And, uh, and you put out three or four issues. Four. Four issues. Um, Although I really
1: only count three because the first one was kind of like a disaster. There was some stuff that was assigned out and it was like it was right. like the really crazy organization. Right. It was days. like the half an issue. Right, exactly. Yeah, like,
0: who cares about the half an yeah. issue? Three issues. Three full an issues. Yeah. Um and uh and and then uh what happened?
1: And then we were all fired.
0: Um I know I I am not gonna pretend like I don't know this. I know that you uh did not sign whatever the like thing is. So you uh you don't. There's like no like gag order about what happened. You can talk. Free well, there's not about a legal it.
1: gag order. What's that? There's not. There's not like a. I have, no, I, have, I don't. You have didn't have a sign legal... like
0: an NDA about what happened. I did not. So uh, consider this like an open forum for you to just. Like, you can like tell your your side of it if you would like to. <laughs> I just want to know what happened. Like, why <laughs> do you think you guys had this magazine that like uh, they when they came out and and you know wrote their like David Carp letter about how great you all were and now everyone's fired. Um, you know, they were like, we're in the black, like it, it, it it's a uh, profitable institution. The brand is like clearly growing. People are excited about the magazine. Um,
1: well, they didn't say magazine people, they would never say people are excited about the magazine.
0: They didn't say that, but that was, people true. are excited
1: about our community platform is maybe what it <laughs> said. Cause you know how people are always like, I love that community platform.
0: Oh yeah. I've got like i uh, I'm constantly updating my top five community platforms. Yeah.
1: Right. I just feel so strongly about them. <laughs> really connect with them.
0: Um, what do you think happened?
1: Well, here's the thing that you have to understand when you work for a private company is that, you know, especially one that, especially, you know, small kind of like startup oriented, even though good had been around since 2006, it was of that culture. Um, uh, Startup kind of oriented companies that have a, you know, a, a billionaire and his friends at the helm who have never worked anywhere else. It's totally like... At any point, it's at, on any whim they can totally change the direction of what that thing is about, and that's you know I'm glad you brought up the Tumblr storyboard thing because it's just like you know they can just decide hey this isn't really that sexy to me anymore it seemed really fun to play to play magazine for a while and and now I'm not interested and um and I think that that's it pure and simple. Do
0: you like, think they just got bored?
1: Yeah, I do. I do, and I think that um, you know it's it's to. To people who are who are steeped in um, other, and this and this, I think is something that is interesting and is not really talked about that often. To for for people who sort of are going to be the funders of journalism in the future, who are coming from like these, like um, I don't know, the 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 world of like you know venture capital and um, and you know maybe um, you know just like 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 Ted fellow mentality, what, what, I don't know what to call it. Like, (laughs) you know, like, like, like smart, smart new money people. Yeah. Um, You know, it's, um, media, media, like, like the kind of, the kind of journalism that like, you know, you are concerned with here at the long form podcast, um, is never going to produce like this, like hockey stick style growth that you're going to get by like making a cool app that, that takes off or something. Right. And so, um, you know it's it's not that fun to sort of be at a party and tell your friends like our media property is slowly gaining traction and producing some good things and you know our our traffic growth and our profits are steadily going up but are not like you know just like off the fucking charts <laughs> right. you know um it, it you really have to sort of like love the product like more than sort of like the model or the process or like the thrill of of um of like the business there's no thrill of the business of media it's like it's all like you know what the people who fund journalism find sexy right. is, is an important question to right. grapple with. And something that I'm like watching like The New Republic, for example. For example. I, right.
0: Yeah. Um, he certainly um, seems to publicly think that the journalism we are concerned with here on the Long Form Podcast is sexy. Like that's like a uh, pretty front and center when he's talking about why he bought the magazine.
1: Sure, but, you know, my bosses also thought that was real sexy when, when, when I was hired. I think that, like, what I'm trying to say is, like, it's, it seems sexy until you realize, like, it costs lots of money. And, it, you know, it's like it, it takes a long time to produce. And it's just, I don't know, I'm not saying maybe in 10 years, like, that arrangement will still stand and it will, it will be, like, amazing. But, like, sort of for me, it's like, okay, we'll wait and see. Like, we'll wait and see. It could be, like, something that, you know, could be, a, could be built to last.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's um, it's hard to, uh, when someone's holding all of the purse strings like that, it's hard to protect against uh, their whims. I'm going to throw out an alternate theory, which you, you don't have to dispute if you don't want to. Uh, here's my theory of what happened, is that the brand was actually taking off. And maybe this is just about my corner of the internet, but I think it was wider than that. Um and I think that uh you were becoming the face of it and I think that made them uncomfortable. Um it's a very that, charitable view. I I mean, I think it's an accurate view, or at least it was part of it. Like, um, I think it's uncomfortable to have something that you built that's your baby um start being so closely aligned with somebody else. And I think that was happening. Uh you can just sit there silently and not respond to that. But that's my personal theory. So okay, you guys get uh Fired in in shocking fashion. It sweeps across the nation. <laughs> the world, the world. Our mothers
1: start calling repeatedly.
0: It's like, many <laughs> parental phone calls. All of a sudden, you were very happy that you hired a bunch of, like, very talented, young, childless people. What was that day like?
1: Well, so we um, we knew we were going to be fired before we had. So that we also, I, the, the context is sort of, we had a... Um, a, a, a a party to celebrate the release of our latest issue on the night of May thirty first. Um and
0: this is great. This is like getting crime story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: exactly. And um but and you know, there were there were some there were some rumblings. There was an email that was like could you, I know you have a party tonight, but can you please be sure you're in by like 11? And then there was an email to the rest of the edit staff that wasn't me that was like, can you please be in by 1120? And it's like, one (laughs) one only takes 20 minutes, you know, you do the math. Thin envelope, thin envelope. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, so, you know, so that happened, but we were like real busy getting ready for the party. And I was sort of like, you know, like, well, it's not like I'm going to like, you know, like, like, do anything about this. Um, we go to the party and having some drinks, and I ran into um, it was right before Dylan, who was the who was the design director at Good, and my my, my top design bro, Dylan C Lathrop, Um, He and I would always kind of stand up and you know and say thanks for coming, and you know talk a little bit about the magazine, but mostly it was just a drinking event. Anyway, we were about to go up on stage, and I ran into a friend of mine um, who. Uh, Who did not was not on the editorial staff, like worked elsewhere in the in the company. And he he was a really great he was a real lesson to me that bros can be my allies. Like sometimes (laughs) when I didn't when I was not doing a great job at communicating with my bosses, I would send him an email and be like, You speak bro, how is this gonna go over? And he would like give me some real feedback. And um Nice. And yes. Anyway, so ran into him and I knew he was in like the bro inner circle and was like, Yo, so I'm getting fired tomorrow. And he was like, Yeah, how'd you find out? Um (laughs) so you know, like confirmation. And then Dylan and I got up on stage moments later oh, and man. um and said thank you for coming. And and then I um and then I stepped, I rounded up the edit staff and stepped outside and was like, so I'm getting fired tomorrow. Wow. And I don't remember I was definitely not I was I was kind of in sort of YOLO mode. I was just <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know, I was definitely not crying. Some of us were upset, some of us were more upset than others, some of us were more shocked than others. Um and then we kind of went about our business and hung out at the party and then went to um, another coworker who did not work on the editorial staff, had lived nearby, went to his house for an after party, which was like pretty large, as I recall. In fact, just last night, I was, I was, um, we were talking about that party and I went back through like the Instagram record and found a photo of like me and me and Dylan at that party, clearly okay. just like working something out. And, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, uh Um, And that's when we found out that everyone was getting fired because someone else, you know, had some insider knowledge that everyone was getting fired. And so it was really nice that we could find out about those things and kind of, like, deal with them as an edit family before, like... Right, find out about
0: them together and also not in the office and give yourself, like, a chance to prep. So when you walked into that 11 o'clock meeting where you're just like, hey, guys.
1: Well... Well, you know, I mean, well, first of all, though, I was I was like ghastly hungover and got up at like five a.m. to call like Nona, who's our far flung East Coast editor, to tell her that um, and we were all getting fired and uh, and also like you know like call like my friends who were lawyers and things like that, <laughs> right? Like download my email, like <laughs> do the things you do when you're gonna get fired, and yeah, so definitely like I you know I. I, it wasn't like I was sobbing about it or, you know, I mean, please just sitting there and smirking is really the best thing to do when you're being fired. I don't know if anyone out there listening is planning on being fired this week, but you know. that will be the, uh, your next column just, for CJR. Just, just exude moral superiority. Just like <laughs> just ooze moral superiority. <laughs>
0: oh, man, that's pretty good advice. Um, and then you guys decided to uh, do tomorrow. To mm-hmm. so, Give us the, like, the, the sort of like thumbnail on tomorrow and, and uh, what the goal was and how it worked.
1: Oh, man. This is actually this is a, this is a more interesting question than you realize because the, the goals with tomorrow were sort of, well, one, just to do something positive. The internet, the internet was loving on us so hard at this point. Yeah,
0: yeah, another lesson for people who might have to fire someone in the near future is um, be careful about firing a bunch of people who are really good at the internet mm-hmm. all at once. Yeah. You guys got, like, a big internet hug right when that happened.
1: We did. Um, I think that there are still emails from that era that I haven't answered because I was, like, too busy drinking smoothies with my pants off. Like, just (laughs) chilling. I was, like, not dealing with the internet right now. Just, like, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) You know, like, cut to me with a joint on my porch. Like, you know, definitely, (laughs) like, not not in, like, let's respond to the internet, even though, like, I could feel the internet's love. Um, So, no, the point of tomorrow was, you know, to – to continue to work together. I mean, obviously none of us had like a next thing lined up and we realized that we, we all would very quickly. And um, so that was one. We, we like, legitimately, as our like, Kickstarter video says, wanted to like, to make stuff together. We had like some assignments in the works and um, things that we wanted to sort of bring to fruition. Um, that was one. Two is like, capitalize on this internet goodwill. It's um, one of the great things that I learned about what people are interested in reading and talking about from working at Good. Um, is that like people like positivity and solutions and that doesn't have to be like a bullshit thing. They really like the idea of like, you know, not just you got fired, boo-hoo, but like, you know, oh, and you're doing this cool thing with that and like I can be a part of that by like investing in you through Kickstarter and that, um, it seems it just seems smart with everyone saying, let us let me know what I can do, to be like, here's a thing you can do. Right. Um, and then the third thing, which I, I think is, is much more apparent in retrospect, is that... Um, you know it just it's a great story like we we gave ourselves a great story to tell over and over throughout our career and and i think that you know um the the notion that you'll somehow do better by um immediately giving a bunch of interviews where like, like I like have never told this, like the, I mean, I've told lots of people the story of like the night before we were fired or whatever, but, but you know, it's not something I've like written about. It's definitely not something I would, would, would have written about like the week after right. I want the narrative to be about our skills and abilities and the cool stuff we make. And, um, and I definitely have gotten work as a result of tomorrow. It's yeah, I mean, not because of the product, but because people have heard about like us through that process.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, the whole thing was kind of like, uh, like, a a pretty fantastic cover letter. Yeah, it's all an for an a ad bunch for, of people who right. are suddenly unemployed.
1: Right, it's an ad for how hard we roll, and um, and and that it, it worked. Everyone is employed at great places.
0: Totally successful mission. Yeah, I don't know where tomorrow falls in the like uh, chronology of kickstarted magazines. Relatively early. Yeah, and I feel like there have now been several that have tried to do it. Uh, there have been a couple that have failed, like the first ones that have like not not made it. Um, how is that process? Like, it seems like it, it worked well for you guys, but maybe it only worked well because you never had a plan of doing more than one issue.
1: Yep. That's precisely why it worked well. Also because, you know, we were, um, I think that if I, if if we sort of without this narrative and without this like moment with that, we had to capitalize on just decided we wanted to make a magazine, um, you know, like I think it would do okay. Um I also think we could have gotten a lot more money for for tomorrow like trying to f- figure out where to set that goal was basically just a um It was just, it was like a test of everyone's individual self-esteem when we were like throwing out numbers about how much we thought we could bring in on Kickstarter. It was like someone was like, I don't know, 5,000. And I was like, 100K! (laughs) Whatever, you know. (laughs) Um, Not exactly. But like, but you know, there was a big, a big split. So, um, so I think that without that narrative, it's it's really hard. Without the sort of like, this is a new thing, it becomes really hard. Like trying to kickstart issue two of anything seems like just the hardest thing. But I think that mostly the reason we're not doing it again is because we we didn't really we didn't fairly compensate anyone involved in that process.
0: Yeah, I mean you guys published your whole budget we online. You published right? an overview of the budget. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. you can get
1: a sense of what we brought in through Kickstarter, single issue copy sales and through like sponsorships.
0: What advice would you have to people who uh who want to do something similar? Like um do you think that, that model works for anything more than one issue or if you're trying to if you're trying to start a, a a publication at this point is that is Kickstarter not the best place to go?
1: I don't know. I mean, I I um I think that there are some advantages to to using Kickstarter. We were featured on like the Kickstarter homepage and in the newsletter because we had covered so many Kickstarter projects. Right. At good. Um, you know, like drawing on a lot of relationships that we had. Um, so I don't know. I think that I think that it's um I've yet to see someone use it in an ongoing way that seems exciting to me um, but that doesn't mean it's it's not possible and I mean what is what is sort of a crowdfunded thing but like subscriptions you right. know, subscriptions are crowdfunding <laughs> right. I get so annoyed like I mean they're always there are usually always like you know European reporters who want to talk to me about this like or like you know or like I talk to like you know grad students studying media who are like tell me about crowdfunding is it the future and I'm always like nope <laughs> much, much like when I was, you know, like in in management mode, she's like, "No, it's not," you know, it's like, or it's not a new idea. In other words, you know, it's like sub- finding out new ways of doing subscriptions. I mean, it's the public radio model. Kickstarter is the public radio model. False deadlines, right? Imposed on what is basically just an ongoing subscription. Tote bags. Yep. Sure. We definitely had some totes. <laughs> totes had totes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, all of the experiments that this world can run it should be running like i'm Mm -hmm. i'm for any and all experiments but it seems really dangerous to me to hold up things that are uh just starting out and are using the money they raised on kickstarter as like successful business models because i i I, yeah it just seems like you're um it's like a false god
1: yeah it is and i think that also this idea that like one model like there will be a model right like it's just ridiculous like you know like like we should have learned that by, by the fact that, like, we don't do journalism in one way anymore. Like, you know what I mean? There's no, like, there's no, um, there's no, this is magazine journalism, this is newspaper journalism, and, like, that's it. There's a bajillion ways to make journalism now, and a bajillion ways, to formats, like, you know, to publish it in or produce it in. And there's, like, should be, you know, accordingly, a bajillion different, you know, ways to fund it.
0: You were saying earlier that you're, like, excited and optimistic about where this stuff is at. Are there um, experiments in particular that you're excited about? or optimistic about?
1: I mean that's more of a general statement about how like sometimes I think about what a bummer it would have been to be a pre-internet journalist and just like, you know, be totally dependent on like the outlets you write for to promote your work or to like connect you with people who are reading it. And um and to only have sort of like to have a much more constrained number of like formats you can produce your work in and um and, and have it be so much more expensive. You know, if we tried to to make a like tomorrow magazine a long time ago, not only would we have not been able to reach people to like fund it, but like, you know, the actual production part of it would have been would have been way harder. So I don't know. I mean, that's that's not like an answer where it's like, I see this thing and I'm really excited. right? Um, or like there's this model that I think is really going to like work. Um, it's more just like I, the world of sort of like, like like just like the exploded constraints is, is mostly what I'm, yeah. I'm excited about. And I think that you can view that two ways, right? You can be like, you can be like the model we knew worked that paid us money and was reliable is gone. Or you can be like, you know, like, well, yeah, that's gone, but like all the other crap that was also reliable, like and boring, and was is gone.
0: Right. Uh speaking of a thing, um how are we doing on the byline gap Anne Friedman? Especially as the person who started Lady Journos. Like like how are we doing?
1: Well, the National Magazine Award nominations were pretty decent. Pretty decent. Yeah. Pretty decent. Um
0: after 2012, they basically had no option, right?
1: Well, but you know, and 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 this is one of those, I mean, I don't know that I wrote about this at the time because I was really busy, you know, assigning things to women um and editing them. <laughs> it's like too busy to really. But um but you know in in 2012 when the numbers were so dismal when it, when it came to gender and the National Magazine Award nominations, there was this whole conversation. It's like, you know, okay, this is this is not about what is assigned and what is appearing in print. This is about like awards for the best stuff that's already appeared. So it's really just sort of like a vector <laughs> for right. for that for the problem, which is really editors assigning to their pals and not enough of their pals being women, like that's the problem. Editors assigned to pals, not enough pals are women. Be be make look at your personal network, and if it's not women, you will not be assigning to them, editors. Um, so I don't know. So I think that like the only the reason for a correlation between if there is any, um, you know, editors who who are better on this front, um, and, and and it's just their networks are more full of women and I think that the race gap for bylines is just like just that I, I I don't even know how to like you know part of me is like um it seems easier to to sort of wrap my head around how we start talking about changing the gender ratio because um it seems less less bound up and and I don't know, maybe it's just because I talk about it a lot, it seems easier, but less bound up in some other like entrenched things like white people only being friends with white people. <laughs> um, and, uh, and you know, most people, even if they're not professionally like pals with, with women, like have a lot of women like in their lives and like, you know, people are pretty racially segregated. So a- a- applying the sort of like personal networks like lens for understanding why that problem exists. I mean, and also, of course, then there are just like socioeconomic layers on that that also don't apply to the gender question the same way like that just seems like a much much um tougher nut to crack
0: um before i let you get out of here you're doing all this freelance stuff do you have an itch to edit again like like do you think that you will are you going to start some the itch
1: to edit is actually my forthcoming journalism <laughs> textbook
0: <laughs> you, you can mock me for phrases like that but something I love it. something like that is going to end up in a fucking cjr column so i'm going to take it too it Seriously though, like, like, do you have? Uh, do you think you'll start something? Do you think you want to run another publication, or, or is working without pants just too sweet?
1: Um, you know, I would. I, I'm someone who believes women can have it all, and that I could potentially one day start a publication and edit it in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the answer is like maybe, probably someday. I don't know right now I'm really happy with what I'm doing and I haven't been doing it that long. Like I have been, it's not even been a full year that I have been a full-time freelance writer. Um, But I also think, I also think like, like an editor about my own, uh, my own work it's like it's like oh you know pie charts and like funny listicles are my front of book and then i write features sometimes and like i actually kind of th- think about the body of work i produce is like you know a the ann magazine um not like not in a concrete way and not that i would ever want to like run that as a publication but i think that there's um I- i'm ec- i'm excited to watch what happens as um a lot of like more a, a lot of like the boring like corners of journalism um you know, totally disintegrate. And, um, and a lot of the old models that aren't working, like finally run their course, you know, it's like, we keep saying like, you know, display advertising is going away and things like that. Like once we actually hit that point, um, what happens, but, uh, so who knows, maybe none of us will be working for in media, but I'm pretty sure that I will be. And, um, maybe it will be editing a thing, but I probably won't be as like, a like, a an indoor cat at like a New York magazine. You know? Like I, I like yeah, I don't I don't feel like I, it feels like 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 coming to some like venerated institution of journalism in New York is, is, seems really boring to me right now.
0: Awesome. So that just totally leaves the door open for me to keep haranguing you into starting something totally new. You know,
1: that is actually a better bet for you than haranguing me to move to New York. Like that, <laughs> you, you will do better being like, being like hey, how's that, how's that new thing you were going to found coming along?
0: You, you can't even begin to like pretend that I'm not totally aware on what a bad idea it is to try and convince you to move to New York.
1: Right. I hate it here. I mean, I've, I like to visit.
0: I have also put that forth and, and, and uh, was beaten down. Yes. Harshly.
1: Viciously. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ann Friedman, thank you so much for coming uh, to 68J Street and talking to me. Um, when, whenever you fill out like, the back of the book that is the magazine of Ann, we'll have you come back and talk about those stories. I can't wait. Thanks for listening to Long Form. I'm Max Linsky. My co hosts are Aaron Lammer and Evan Ratliff thanks to Anne for coming in on her trip to New York and you should come to New York more. Thanks also to our editor, Lauren Kirchner, our intern, Sarah Mandelare, our sponsors, Tiny Letter and Matter. Go check out the news story from Matter. It's great. We'll be back next week.